Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. Our hope is that your spiritual life will be fruitful as we go through our new series, Redefining Success According to Jesus. We start in 3, 2, 1. All right, good morning. Buona sefiwe. Okay, so, so uh, don't worry why the worship team is here today because it's Celebration Sunday. We decided they will preach with me so that uh, I'm not lonely up here. Okay, now I hope you've really enjoyed the spiritual emphasis campaign, redefining success according to Jesus. For those who have not been able to finish, do not give up, just keep on studying, keep on meeting. For those who have not started, do not say we are done with that. No, you can still start even if you haven't done it. So meet with your group, meet with your family members and experience transformation by Jesus uh, through this study. Now, when I was in college, I remember one of my professors was a guy who really didn't like when people didn't have good marks in, 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 in the course that he was teaching. So he would always give a bonus question that would give you some bonus points, right? So because I was a good student, I learned from him, and I want to be a good teacher like he was, I want to give you a bonus question for bonus points so that uh, as we conclude this spiritual emphasis campaign, you will have something that you can remember. So I want you to either turn to your neighbor or, you know, you write on your, on your sermon guide that you received as you came in. Just write your favorite quote from redefining success according to Jesus. All right, you can share that with your neighbor if you want to do that, or you can write it on your on your sermon guide or if you're watching us live uh, please just go to the com- uh, comment section and write your highlight or your favorite quote from redefining success according to Jesus uh-huh, uh-huh. nice I can see those conversations you can keep them going great great okay 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 that's good that's good I'll be checking um those who are following online what you've written at some point now many times success has been defined by people around us what they think we are what they say about us or based on where we are in life like I remember when I got married all of a sudden I became a very important person in the community there are some meetings that wouldn't happen until I was there or until I gave a go-ahead You know, when Watu and Nairobi attend functions in the villages, what happens? You automatically become a very important person. And we even have a special tent for you. You know, we even have special toilets for you, Watu and Nairobi, because we consider you to be very successful, either because you work and stay in Nairobi and so on and so forth. You know, when you uh, drive some certain sort of a car, you know, according to the badge uh, that you have on your car, Uh, Sometimes you will even find parking space, even when the parking lot was already full. People define us by the things that they see. We define people by what we see, you know, worldly possessions. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine who was really excited about getting a new and perfect boyfriend. She described him in, in words that, oh, wow, you actually really have the perfect boyfriend. Only for my friend to reveal that this new boyfriend was from another nation. He couldn't be Kenyan. 
<laughs> it was from another nation, from imagination. What I was starting to think that uh, it was success actually wasn't real. It never existed. And many times, you know, we, we imagine things and think this is success for us. And it's not real. As we carry on, uh, we, I will be referring to different portions of scripture. But I don't know. Who are some of the people who you consider to be successful? Okay. What do you see in them? What do you say about them? Right? That's a good question that you may want to answer at some point. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17 through 31, very quickly, I just read. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments? You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he asked, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now he is an excellent young man who was most likely respected within his community because of his status. He was wealthy and had obeyed the commands that prohibited the wrong actions and attitudes against other people. He had understood the law as a matter of external conformity. And it seems that for him, the inner obedience that was really required had, had escaped him completely. But out of his sincerity, he impresses Jesus. The Bible says Jesus loved him. He impressed Jesus that he had kept the law. So here, this rich young man is thinking that he can earn righteousness to merit eternal life. And Jesus redirects his thoughts, his thinking, to the one thing that he lacked. The young man's primary problem was not wealth. The young man's primary problem was wealth. Okay? Yes. The young man's primary problem wasn't wealth. But the young man's problem was wealth. And Jesus' prescription is to rid him of it. In giving away his wealth, the young man would have removed the obstacle that kept him from trusting God. This young man couldn't imagine his life without the wealth that he had. And sadly, he walks away from Jesus. The Bible says his face fell. This tragic decision to turn away from Jesus reflected a greater love for his possessions than for eternal life. For him, he would rather have his wealth, he would rather have everything that he owned than have eternal life. His wealth, the wealth that you have, little or a lot, is it the obstacle that is keeping you away from eternal life? What tragedy if this rich young man is you today? Now, towards of that passage, um, it continues, verse 28. It says, then Peter spoke up. 
We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fails for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age homes brothers sisters mothers children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternally now if you may here is a sure bet that if we leave everything for him he will give us everything he will give it to us in the present time and in the time to come and what jesus here reveals in this story is that what we really need in life is not achieved it is received eternal life is achieved no sorry is 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 received is given from him we cannot earn it and i was thinking because we've been doing redefining success according to jesus real success is actually received from god is received from jesus it's not what we achieve a story that we looked at in the book of luke chapter 16:19 to 31 about the rich man and lazarus very quickly verse 19 says there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things? But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us he answered then i beg father send lazarus to my family for i have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment abraham replied they have moses and the prophets let them listen to them no father abraham he said but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Wadaw, Father Abraham, he is saying, if you do not listen to the voice that we have today in the society, even if someone rises from the dead to come to tell you these truths, you will not be convinced. You won't even believe uh, when someone comes back from the dead. You will say this is a ghost and you will only run away to try to preserve your life. Modern culture tells us that we have to look into ourselves. We have to focus on ourselves if we are to make things happen. We talk of that which works for me, that 
which I want to do, that which satisfies me and makes me happy. We have come, we have become so self-centered that we are constantly thinking of ourselves in everything and for everything. I was listening to Timothy Killer speak um, at Whitten College and though he was speaking about identity, he brings out important things that I think relate well with what we've been studying, redefining success. They relate to a false understanding of what success is. He calls it expressive individualism. He mentions five things, but I'll mention only four things. Look deeper into your hearts and you will see the deepest feelings that you have contradict each other. You look at that person and you say, I want to be with him, with them. I want to be with him or with her. Yet there are things that you get to know of that person and they begin to push you away. You start to dislike certain things of the same person. And even you may end up liking a different person altogether. Oh, this career, I want to pursue it and grow and get to the top. Yet every Monday, you have a groan as you wake up and wish that you had a longer weekend than wake up on a Monday morning to go to work. Francis Pafford, writing in his book, An Apologetic, says, You're being, you are a being whose wants make no sense. Don't harmonize whose desires deep down are discordantly arranged so that you truly want to possess and you truly want not to at the very same time. You are equipped, you realize, more for fuss or even tragedy than happy endings. The things, the desires that we have most of the times will contradict each other. We live in chaos. The second thing that Timothy Keller mentioned is that these things... Being, having expressive indiv individualism is unstable. It lacks a durable core. Something that, that is not changing. When you look on the inside, something is always changing. Louis Smith said, my wife has been married to five men and all of them were me. Something was changing in the wife. And then he goes around to say that what bound the five men together was the vows that they were made for him during baptism. And secondly, the vows that they made during the day they got married. He says the thing that made him constant in the five marriages was that he had said that he would be by her side no matter what. If you're looking on the inside, you know, a lot changes, a lot changes. Now, if you're here, you're in your 20s. Remember when you were 15? When you look back, you say, hmm, what was that I was doing when I was 15? Maybe now you're in your 30s. And you're like, hmm, in my 20s. I was such an idiot. What was I doing? What was I thinking doing that? You're in your 40s and in your 50s. And now you've even started writing letters to the younger self, to the younger you, and telling yourself the things that you ought to have done when you are young. Things are always changing. You're always looking at yourself, mm, I was a fool. I was an idiot. What does that say? That we are always fools. We are always idiots. Because something is changing. When we get into our 50s, 
we look back and say i should maybe have done this differently it's always changing it's unstable thirdly there is huge pressure in the course of in in one of the courses um you know that we were developing a life purpose and mission we had really a good time in struggling with a question is there really a thing like having a balanced lifestyle look at it this way you really want to work hard and deliver what's expected in your office maybe this will mean you need to shift a few things late nights in the office you will need to sacrifice something either time with family or sleep and a deficiency in any of them will start to show up in your work in the very thing that you're so desperate to deliver on a friend of mine who recently got married was under the impression that he has to be the provider he he has to really work work hard and go out in a big way he ended up taking three jobs at the same time three months down the line he had to render in his resignation and look for a new job he tells me there are days he would work for almost 22 hours you see the overwhelm issue is about size it's about volume it's about amount it's about time and like uh dr larry everson writes he says there are limitations i mean there really are things that we cannot do huge pressure when we are looking into ourselves then lastly and fourthly it's excluding when you just look into ourselves if you're the best guitarist and you go into a new town and you find someone playing a guitar in a greater way than you and this person is a beggar your self esteem would come tumbling down sisleus writes in mere christianity says we are not really proud of having money we are proud of having more money than the next person we are not proud of being smart but being smarter if you stood by what you think is success you'd be looking inside to self and falling onto the false identity that we see in expressive individualism you'll be incoherent in your search you'll be unstable you'll bear much pressure and you'll find yourself very excluding okay but you need a better measure a better standard you need a better mirror to learn from you need a better definition of what success will be you need a better man to a man
It's a person that we need. It's a mirror that we need to be able to handle life. The second thing is Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. In John 6, um, verse 27 to 35, I will only read verse 35. It says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Many times we are thinking of succeeding when we are putting or to put that bread on the table. And of course, that's a good thing. It's our responsibility to be able to work and provide within the context of family and community. But you see, you never have enough of that bread. You have to keep visiting Kafour or Quickmart or Joyland or Clinshaw for you to get more bread, for you to get more rice, more unga, more sugar. Because these things keep running out. What a short-lived success. I remember when COVID hit our borders and the president announced there would be secession and a curfew. There was a crazy panic buying. People were just buying everything in bulk. And not even thinking of others. They just wipe everything off the shelves. Not thinking of someone else may want to come and shop. Yet that shopping in most households wouldn't even last for more than a month. Our Jesus never runs out. You have him and you have eternal satisfaction. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, uh, when, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I do not know how many times you have to buy tokens for you to, to have power in your house. I don't know how many times you have to drive in, in the uh, fuel station, in the petrol station to refuel your car. Are you in the dark? Do you feel like you don't know which way to turn? He's saying, he's the light. He shows the way and he guides the way. He will go with you. John 10, 9 and 10, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in full. Are you vulnerable, unsure, and fearful? Jesus is saying, I will protect you and keep, you, and keep out anything that would harm you. In John 10, uh, from verse 11 to 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus is effective and gracious. He gives up his life for you and for me. In John 11, he says, I am the resurrection. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. In John 14, 6, um, 14, 5 and 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, 
the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A verse that we've done is John 15. I am the true vine and my Father is a gardener. Do you feel cut off, isolated? Jesus will say to you, I am the vine. Abide in me. Cling to me. Find security and life in me. Now in the Old Testament, there are a couple of mentions, about nine of them. Um, the Lord filled out or completed the name I am to reveal more fully his divine nature and his gracious ministry to his people. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide or see to it. Yahweh Rophe, the Lord who heals. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord our banner. Yahweh Mkadesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. Yahweh Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Sikenu, the Lord our righteousness. Yahweh Shama, the Lord is there. Of course, all these names refer to our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ because He is Yahweh Jireh. He can supply all our needs and we need not to worry. Matthew 6. As Yahweh Rapha, He is able to heal us. As Yahweh Nisi, He will help us fight our battles and defeat our enemies. We belong to Yahweh Mkadesh because He set us apart for Him. Yahweh Shalom, He will give us peace in the midst of storms in our lives. Yahweh Roi takes us to Psalm 23, to John 10, encouraging us to follow the Good Shepherd. The armies of heaven and earth are under command of Yahweh Sabaoth. And we need not to panic like he commanded Joshua. Because we have trusted Yahweh Sikenu, we have his very righteousness put onto our account. And our sins and iniquities are remembered no more when we read Hebrews 10. Jesus is Yahweh Shama, God with us, Matthew 1. And he will be with us always. His promise is, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. All the promises of God find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. True success is assured in Jesus. Now I'm not saying that because of, because he is all these things, then our work is to sit back, fold our hands, and, and just enjoy life. No, we have a responsibility. We have to work. We must trust and wholly rely on Him to enable us to do anything and everything that we need to do. He must be our everything in our dreams, in our daily endeavors. It would be Him who will enable us to achieve success. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says, it, it is the Lord, it is He who gives us strength to create wealth. So as we work, we must come from a place where it is Him and not us. Our elder Minju, um, during the handover ceremony of this magnificent and beautiful Kisima Champion Center, he was reflecting about his church in the village. That it was, it had an earthen floor. It was made of mud. But he reminded us that in a few years' time, this modern and beautiful building will be old and not so modern. And the senior pastor then may recruit a new team to oversee the modernization of the Kisima Champion Center. 
he reflected that both the village mud church and this modern building modern structure they are temporary structures but he said what's taught in these buildings is permanent god's word is permanent it doesn't change god is the same way yesterday today and forever he doesn't change he doesn't change in the book Jesus in the present tense he writes people commit a serious blunder when they decide that the bible is an outdated book about an ancient people who lived in a backward culture and therefore the bible has nothing to say to us today but the reason most people ignore or totally dismiss the bible isn't because the cast of characters and the script seem radically different from life today but because bible people and modern people are so very much alike. Henry David Thoreau writes in his journal, the more we know about the ancients, the more we find that they were like the moderns. When we read the Bible with a sincere desire to learn, we soon meet ourselves in its pages and see ourselves as we really are. And the experience isn't always enjoyable. That's why we must love God's word. We must allow Jesus to keep changing us and transforming us every day. Finally, thirdly and finally, Jesus is king. Now there's a story that I'm sure you know of Ananias or Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible in the book of Acts chapter 5 says, Now a man named Ananias, together with the wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but through the rest, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to you have not you have not lied just to human beings but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About 3 hours later, I I I think the wife came for the second service after about 3 hours later 
His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. George MacDonald rightly says, half the misery in the world is caused by people trying to look rather than trying to be. This couple, Ananias and Sapphira, wanted to fit in with the believers who sold what they had, the goods, and shared their, their resources with the new believers who had come to Jerusalem. The issue I see here isn't Ananias keeping back some money, but him wanting to appear religious than he really was. I not only see him as selfish and as lying, but also hypocritical. Oliver Wendell says, sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle in which fits them all. And Ananias and Sapphira may have thought they will gain by keeping a portion of, of what they had received from selling the land to themselves. Yet in contrast, what they thought was their gain was actually their loss which led to their death. They lost their lives for wanting to please or appear to be of a certain way. Today, many people are losing their lives, both literally and symbolically, by wanting to appear in a certain way, by wanting to appear successful. What they may be considering gain is leading them to greater loss. Think of those people who are following others on social media. And because they saw so-and-so was in Dubai over the weekend, they take a loan to take a trip to Qatar coming weekend so that they may fit and appear to be successful as so-and-so. Think of the financial and relational mess people are getting into because they are into consumerism and they are trying to quench a desire that's never ending. What lies are you living? What lies are you living as to appear successful? How have you falsified success in your life? How hypocritical are you living? Are you lying to yourself, to the people around you, or to God in the way that you're living? When you live a lie before God, you lose yourself no success when you're lost. You're dead. There's no success when you're lost. Don't seek to look like you're a follower of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus. Give it all your all. Give yourself to him wholly. Don't keep back anything that belongs to him because you will not be successful this way. 
Philippians 3, 1 to 7, uh, 1 to 11. I'll just read from verse 7. But whatever were gains, Paul writing, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through, through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, I let go of my standing as a Pharisee. I let go of my external piety and everything else that appeared to be good to me on my spiritual resume for none of it mattered compared to knowing Jesus. I like it. As Paul says, he doesn't say, I counted it loss. He continues to say, I continue to count it loss. It's a process that he's put himself into. I continue to count it loss. What we gave up days, months, or years ago has to continue translating to present-day practice. But what's the obstacle to you experiencing God's grace? What's keeping you away from God's grace? What gives you confidence? Is it your education, your family tree, or your family forest, if you may? Is it the wealth that you have? Is it your work? Is it the full success that you hold on to? How about joining Paul in counting all that loss? And following Christ, knowing him and allowing him to be the definition of your life. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes claims that all is vanity, all is meaningless. In chapter 1 he says everything is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Chapter 2 he says pleasures are meaningless. Wisdom and folly are meaningless. Toil is meaningless. In chapter 4 he says advancement is meaningless. Chapter 5, he says, preachers are meaningless. Then, when he comes to the conclusion of the book in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he says, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. This is what we were created for. This is what we may say success. Keeping, fearing God, keeping his commands. This is our duty as mankind. I request the worship team to just now join me here on stage even as we close. And there is the sad situation hap happening out, say, in Ukraine because of the war there. Now I've seen a picture that has been doing rounds. People trying to live and seek solace in different, in the neighboring countries. And some of these people lived in very good places, good homes, 
good cars, come from very good families. But now all that doesn't matter. What matters now is them going to safety, leaving behind everything, their homes, their vehicles. They are to ploti maguta maguta, those ones leaving them behind to run where it is safe. It is for us. We have the opportunity to run to Jesus because he's our safety if we are to be successful on earth and of course in heaven because there is a sure promise that we will go to be with him and that is a better place better place no sorrows beautiful place where we will spend eternity now I know it's been said behind every successful man there is a what? there is a there is a woman right? yeah they say that but I want to put it to you that behind every successful man there is God behind every success there should be God I don't know what you'd rather have for success but as for me I'd rather have Jesus compared to everything else in the world let's all rise as we close has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ or talk to or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 0721-990-880. God bless you.